Well, good morning. It's great to be back here. Uh, I'm excited. <coughs> Last time, I just had, it was just amazing. I left and, and was just feeling so encouraged. Uh, so a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how when we are in a season of difficulty, when we're in a season of, of struggle and of problems, our response is praise, and then God's response to our praise is to break through our situations. Uh, we talked about Paul and Silas used them as examples in which they were in prison and they began to praise and everyone's situations around them uh, begin to change. And, and today we're going to talk a little bit more about problems and difficult seasons and, and that kind of thing, but we're going to switch it around. Uh, we're going to instead ask, why? Why are these things happening? I think it's important to first note, ultimately, God is the one that's in control. Uh, and and we just we just get to trust him uh, because he is wise and he is all knowing he is all powerful uh, and so ultimately we can't understand but I think that there's some evidence in scripture of some whys that God answers um, so if you are a note taker uh, today's message is called Why God uh, and we're going to be in two passages of scripture Job chapter one uh, and James chapter one when I was in high school. Um, I feel like last time I told high school stories and it made me seem kind of young, so <laughs> I don't know how to... 30 years ago, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, when, I was, when I was in high school, uh, I was in band. I love music. I, I play a lot of instruments that I taught myself, so probably not great. But, but uh, I was in band, and at the end of every concert, at the end of every football game, at the end of everything that we played at, uh, we played the song, It Is Well which I'm sure that you, you've heard that song. But we just kind of did it because it, it was what had been done for 15 or 20 years. So we didn't really know why. And one day we, we just were like, hey, so what, what's the deal? We asked our director, why are we doing this? Uh, and he told a story of, of a couple of, of several years ago. It was 15 or 20 years before we had talked to him um, that they had a couple of, of band directors um, that were on their way to a football game and they were hit by a drunk driver and both of them were killed immediately. Um, and so that day at the game, the band decided in honor of them uh, to play It Is Well. Uh, and we, not we, I'm not in high school anymore. I just did it again. Um, but for as, as long as, as that time uh, had elapsed, they've played it at the end of every football game, at the end of every, uh, every event that they played at. And they do it because the lyrics are so powerful. Uh, when peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. So we heard this, this story and we were all moved. Uh, and I decided to research a little bit more about the song. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard the history behind this song, but it is, it is, un, it is like crazy, unbelievable. Uh, there was a man named Horatio Spafford who wrote this song. He was a Christian. He lived in the 1800s. Uh, and he was a real estate developer. And in the great Chicago fire of 1871, he lost everything. He was unbelievably wealthy. He had a beautiful family. He, I mean, he had the perfect life. Uh, and in one night, overnight, he lost all of his investments, all of his fortune, and he woke up and, and was poor. He had nothing. Um, I think when I, when I thought about the song, It Is Well... I thought, yeah, it's easy to say it's well when things are going good. But this man wrote this song, and his life is not going good. 
so a short time before that, he had lost his son. So he loses his son, and then he loses every bit of money that he has. All of his fortune, all of his future investments, everything is gone. And uh, so at this point, his life, you're already looking at it, and you're like, wow, that's really bad. That is so, so hard. Uh, but it keeps going. It keeps getting worse. Um, needing, a, needing a rest, Horatio Spafford took his wife and took his four daughters, uh, and they were planning a trip to, to England. And so <coughs> they, he ends up having to stay behind a little bit because of a business engagement. So he sends his wife and his four daughters ahead on a boat, and he was going to follow them a couple of, couple of days after while they were midway through the Atlantic, their boat crashed. And, and Horatio is sitting at home not knowing anything's happening. There's no, it's not like technology, you know, and so he has no idea that anything's happened. Uh, his wife ends up surviving, gets on a boat, makes it to England, and calls Horatio and says, I'm the only one that made it. So Horatio at this point has now lost his son, he has lost all of his money, and has now lost four daughters in a very short, this is about a year and a half time span. And so Horatio gets on a boat, and it is while his boat is going over the part of the Atlantic where his, his, the other boat had crashed and he lost all four of his daughters, that he wrote the lyrics, When peace like a river attendeth my way, and when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. I cannot even imagine being able to say those words in that situation. I cannot imagine going over a place where I had lost my, my family and being able to say, in this situation, God, it's well with my soul. In this situation. It reminds me of Job. It has a very Job-esque feel. I'm sure that you've heard the story of Job. Uh, but Job is a, is a man who, in the Bible, he is described as blameless and upright. He, was, he, he lived a godly life. He lived righteous. Uh, he was very wealthy. He had a ton of livestock, a ton of land, servants. He had everything. His life was good. <coughs> and one day, uh, we can see, you can go ahead and switch over, turn over to Job 1. Um, one day, I'm not going to read all of this for, for time's sake, but, but the Bible says that the enemy comes up to God and God's first response is, where have you been? He's talking, having a conversation with the enemy. And the enemy says, I've been roaming to and fro on the earth. I've been walking around looking. So, again, going back to what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, the enemy is out to get us. He is not kind. <laughs> he has three plans, to kill us, to steal from us, and to destroy us. And so we've got to keep this in mind when we're talking about the enemy. God says, where have you been? He says he's roaming around looking. <coughs> So then Satan asked permission to test Job, and God agrees. This passage has always, I mean, for, for years and years, I've been thrown off by this. I've been thinking, why would God do that? You know, if, if God loves me so much, why would he say, yes, you can test Job? Yes, you can test Landon. Why would he, why would he say that? Um, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about why uh, here in a second, but... That's where we're going to start, is Job chapter 1, uh, verse 13. So it says, One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and says, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby, and the Sabians attacked and carried them off. 
They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who escaped to tell you. Okay, so Job is just sitting, sitting at his house, and a messenger comes in and says, all the oxen, all the donkeys, all the servants are gone. And so Job, I'm sure in his mind, is thinking, wow, that's not great. I mean, I'm sure he's not like, yeah, cool. He's sad. He's, this is already a hard situation. We're one verse in. And it keeps going. And it says, while he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the fire of God fell from the sky and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. So the other guy is still talking, and Job is sitting here listening, and he's like, okay, one guy comes in, okay, you've lost a lot of stuff. Another guy comes in, okay, you've lost a lot of stuff. And then it keeps going. While he was still speaking, another messenger came in and said, the Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who escaped to tell you. So this is not a long time span. This is not a 60-year, 50-year time span. This is while he was still speaking, while he was still speaking, while he was still speaking. People just keep coming to Job, and they're saying, Job, everything is gone. Job, everything is gone. I'm the only one that made it. Job, everything is gone. And it keeps going. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they are dead, and I am the only one who escaped to tell you. So Job is just sitting. It's a a regular Tuesday. He's sitting, and suddenly four different messengers come in and tell him, Job, everything that you have is gone. Everything that you love, everything that you've ever wanted Everything is gone. <laughs> so Job eventually is led to his knees. He's led to worship. He's led to praise, which is what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. This is how we begin to see breakthrough is when we praise. But I think it's important to notice there's, I think there are three different reasons that seasons like this happen, and a couple of them we can see in the story of Job. Uh, we're going to look at the story a little bit differently. Uh, so I want you to have grace with me. I'm obviously still learning. We're all still learning. We're all still in process. We're going to look at Job a little bit differently uh, today. And and this is something that, like I said, the Lord just kind of recently showed me. Uh, I've only, usually when you're in a church service, you only hear about the first chapter of Job. You hear about how Job was an amazing man and how he, you know, lost, he suffered a great loss, and then he started worshiping God. But there's 37, 38 more chapters uh, in the book of Job. And so let's, let's start here. Um, I believe, like I said, there's three reasons that seasons of hardship happen, seasons of difficulty happen. There's three reasons I think that we can see. The first one is to make us aware of some sin that's in our life maybe we don't even know. Um, again, I, I know, like Job sinned? I've never heard that. I had never really thought about it either. Um, so for 31 chapters after this verse... Job has these three friends and a, and a younger guy that are all sitting, and they keep talking to him. Job, did you do this? Is this why all of this stuff happened in your life? Job, did you do this? Is this why it's all happening? Job, are you worshiping? Job, are you praying? Job, are you giving to the church? They keep asking all these things, and Job keeps saying things like, I have done this, I haven't done this. For 31 chapters, this is the conversation that they're having. It's, no, I didn't do that. Yes, I did this. And suddenly we get to chapter 32, and there is a, uh, a, the younger guy who's been sitting and listening. His name is Elihu. And I'm going to read a little bit from right here. 
So these men stopped answering Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. First off, being righteous in your own eyes is a sin. That is pride. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about Job walking in pride. Job was a, a, a righteous man. Job lived a good life. He honored God in what he did. But the problem was his life and his doings began to overshadow God's doings in his life. Does that make sense? His life began to overshadow what God was trying to do. But Elihu, the son of a name that I can't pronounce, Barakal, and he's a family of Ram. He became very angry at Job because Job began justifying himself rather than God. He was also angry with the three friends because they found no way to refute Job. I'm going to skip a little bit. Elihu starts talking in verse 6. I am young in years and you are old. That is why I was fearful. I did not daring to tell you what I know. I thought age should speak, advanced years should teach wisdom. And so Elihu begins to start talking and he's saying, I've been sitting over here not saying anything because I thought you guys could figure this out. But you won't. And so then Elihu in chapter 33 verse 9 says, Job, you said, I am pure and without sin. I am clean and free from guilt. There's Job's sin. God had to get a hold of Job's mind because Job is walking in pride. If Job had not sinned, if Job had not lived in some kind of sin, his name would be Jesus. It wouldn't be Job. There was only one man who lived without sin. And so God had to get Job's attention. And sometimes, here, let's, sometimes God's going to use the enemy to complete his purposes. Okay, that's a weird concept to try and think about. Here's, let, me, let me say it like this. If there's a bus going and I see somebody standing in front of the bus, I'm going to go and I'm going to shove that person out of the way of the bus so they don't die. But that person still might get hurt. They might hit the curb. They might get a bloody arm. They might get, you know, busted knee or something, but they're not dead. Sometimes God has to send something to make us aware that we're on a bad path. The bus is coming, and somebody's going to have to come and push us out of the way sometimes. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep talking a little bit about Job. Um, <laughs> Job began to think that he was righteous because of what he did or what he didn't do, not because of whose he was. When we belong to God and when we acknowledge that we belong to God, that's when we can be made righteous, not by doing things and not by not doing things. Um, and then, and you know Job is struggling with, with some pride because of the conversation that Job and God have here that we're going to talk about. Uh, God is very sarcastic. I don't know if you've like, read a lot of what, what he says, but he's very sarcastic. I, I kind of picture God speaking like a Texan, you know, and just, he's just going for it. Because this is, this is kind of things that I would be talking about in Job chapter 31. Uh, the Lord says, who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? I would not want to be Job at this time when, when God looks down and says, why are you talking? You're dumb. Like that's literally the conversation that they're having. A few verses later, uh, God, God is still talking to Job and he says, have you entered the storehouses of snow or have you seen the storehouses of hail? He says, what is, the, what is the way to the place where the lightning is dispersed? Another, another version of the Bible says, does lightning come to your throne and ask where to strike? Ooh, <laughs> I would not want to be Job at this time. <coughs> uh, 
And then, it, I mean, it keeps going. Uh, what is the way that light is diffused? God is just, he's just continually talking to Job, and he's trying to get in Job's head. Job, you're walking in pride. Job, this is not about you. This is about me. And so this is, this is the first reason that I think sometimes seasons like this happen is because there is a sin in our life that God is trying to get our attention on. Uh, God does never do evil. I'm going to say this. God, there is not anything that God can do that is wrong. The Bible says that all of his works are wonderful. He doesn't do evil. But sometimes we do. We are sinners. And since the fall of man, we have been sinners. And so sometimes God has to get our attention. I know that for me personally, there are times when when life is going so good and I begin to say it's because of things I'm doing. Wow, I can't believe that I'm getting to do this. I must be really good. You know, I can't believe that I'm getting to travel overseas. I must be really good. I must be really charismatic. I must be really funny, all these things. And God's like, hey, this is not about you. This is about me. I'm here to save people. I can't save people. God is the only one that can. And so the first reason is that God's trying to get our attention because there is a sin in our life. Uh, The second reason I believe that seasons like this happen is to grow our faith. Now we're going to go to James chapter (laughs) 1. James chapter 1, verse 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Another, another version of the Bible says that when we, when we persevere through trials, our faith is made perfect. This one is, this one is pretty simple. Uh, when, when life is going good, when things are going well, when, when family situations are all good, you know, when your relationships are going well, job is going good, it's easy to choose joy. It's easy to be like, God, you're so good. Thank you. Thanks for all this stuff that's happening. Thank you, God. But what about when your life is like Job's? What about when your life is like Horatio Spafford's? Are you able to choose joy? Are you able to trust God? Because he wants to grow your faith. I know I want my faith to be grown. There's not a day that goes by that I want to be satisfied with where I'm at. I always want to be growing in my relationship with the Lord. And sometimes trials do that. Sometimes when we're walking in the middle, okay, here's what I'm thinking about right now. This isn't even in my notes. This is, I think the Lord is just talking to me about this right now. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they're literally in a fire, I mean, that's a pretty bad time. That would be a bad time. You wouldn't be like, sweet, fire, I'm on fire. You're not. This is a bad time. This is hard. You're not happy. They are still trusting God to get them through the fire. And guess what? They get out of the fire. And the Bible says their clothes aren't messed up. They don't even smell like smoke. Okay, we've all had a bonfire. That smell of smoke sticks around for like three years. Like you just can't get rid of it on anything. It, you just stink. <laughs> and, and they don't even smell like smoke. They were on fire. Okay, so sometimes, and I'm sure that when they left, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego trusted God more than they did before they were in the fire. I'm positive of that. 
And so sometimes we're going to be in the fire because God wants us to learn more about who He is. It has nothing to do with us. It has to do with Him. So the second thing, I think that God wants us to grow in our faith. <laughs> it also says later in, in James, in verse 12, that when we, when we persevere, we get to receive a crown of life. Man, I, don't even, I cannot even imagine what that looks like in heaven to have a crown of life. I guarantee you it's beautiful. And I want to be one of the people that has a crown of life. Um, so the last reason that seasons like this happen is to bring us back to a place of worship. Uh, going back to the story of Job, in, in chapter 1, verse 20, it says, And Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship, and he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Job was walking in pride. And at the end of his season, Job tears apart everything. He tears apart his clothes, he shaves his head, and he falls on his knees and worships. I love that we did that, that song, Heart of Worship. This is something that, that song has meant something to me for so many years. That it's so easy in life to get distracted by everything that's happening, good things and bad things. Sometimes good things can be bad distractions. And we get distracted from what God is doing, and God's like, I just want to be in relationship with you. It's not about all the other stuff. I just want to be in relationship with you. And so Job, at the end of everything, he recognizes that he's living in sin. He repents. He literally rids himself of pride. Laying on the floor naked and bald would be a really quick way to get rid of pride. I wouldn't suggest doing that now, but he doesn't because he wants to get rid of the pride. And he falls down on his knees and he just begins to worship God. God is made great in our worship, and we get to have a better relationship with Him and a more intimate relationship with Him when we worship. It's hard to have a relationship when you're not in contact. It's hard. And so God's heart is that we be in relationship, and that comes through worship. Again, I want to reiterate, God's heart is never to harm us. His plans are wonderful. But sometimes we have to get out of the way of the bus the bus is coming, and we, we don't see it. Maybe we're looking the other way, and the bus is coming up really fast behind us, and God's like, this is going to hurt, but I'm going to save you. This is going to hurt, but you've got to live. This is going to hurt. Get out of the way of the bus. And so sometimes that looks like different things. Sometimes it looks like a season of testing that we didn't even know was happening. You know, it's like, oh, my goodness. It, like I went through something a couple of years ago that, like, it seemed like in a span of, Two or three weeks, everything I knew and everything I you know, thought was good in my life turned around. And I remember thinking, well, what in the world just happened? Like, how, how did this just happen? And God's like, I'm trying to move you out of the way of the bus. I need you to trust me. And so ultimately, what this boils down to, we are never in control. God is always in control. He is always in control. And he loves us so much that sometimes he's going to have to push us a little bit so we can live. He wants to push us a little bit so that our lives can get better. I know that, you know, just thinking again about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the fire is worth it. 
Making it through the fire is worth it. And he's going to protect you in the fire. And he wants to lead you out of it. So my challenge is, what do your hurts lead you to? We talked a couple of weeks ago about how our praise directly leads to God's breakthrough in our life. But is the Lord trying to show you something? Is the Lord trying to bring you back to a place of worship? Is the Lord trying to push you out of the way of the bus? I know that even, even in my life in the last couple of weeks, I've just been praying, God, if I'm standing in the way of a bus, please push me. If I'm standing in the way of a bus, please push me. I want to be closer to you. And so my challenge is, is, is that what you want? These situations are hard, but at the end of them, can you look at God and say, God, it's well with my soul. God, when these seasons are happening, I choose to trust you. I choose joy. I'm growing. God, I trust you. Or does it come back to, God, why are you doing this? I think often we begin, like in these seasons, we focus on us and what we're walking through, and we forget to focus on God. And that's what this is all about. God wants to draw our hearts back in line with his so, as we, as we begin to close, I'm just going to pray, and, and, and my prayer is simple. I just, I just want us to come back to a heart of worship. This is my prayer for me. God, I want to come back to you. If I'm standing in the way of a bus, I trust you to get me out of the way. If I'm standing in the way of a bus, I trust you, God. So, Father, we, we do love you, and we're so thankful that, that you love us enough to push us out of the way sometimes. God, I pray that if there is any sin in our life that we need to be made aware of, God, I pray that you would make us aware. God, I pray that in areas that you're wanting our faith to grow, I pray that you would make us aware. And God, if, if we're just needing to be drawn back to a place of worship, I pray that you would draw us back. Because it is all about you. And we choose today to trust you. We thank you that your heart is good and that you love us so much. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be on page 360. Uh, if there's something that you want prayer for or, or want to talk about or something, we're gonna, I'm going to be up here. Uh, yeah, but let's, let's stand and, and sing Return on page 360.